0: Coming up in this episode.
1: There's nothing that the president takes more seriously than the the security of the American people. The story that came out tonight, as reported, is false.
0: Another day, another bombshell in Washington. That was National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster. He was responding to a story in the Washington Post that President Donald Trump revealed highly classified information about Islamic State militants to Russian officials during a meeting at the White House last week. The newspaper cited current and former U.S. officials who said Mr. Trump jeopardized a critical source of intelligence on ISIS in his conversations with the Russian foreign minister and the Russian ambassador. They said Trump offered details about an ISIS terror threat related to the use of laptop computers on aircraft. Something McMaster vehemently disputed late Monday night, May 15th. At no time,
1: at no time, were intelligence sources or methods discussed. And the president did not disclose any military operations that were not already publicly
0: known. But there's going to be fallout. Who was the ally that was outed? And how will it impact others? One senior intelligence official from the EU says they may not cooperate anymore. The details. And the impact, straight ahead on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. There's nothing
1: that the president takes more seriously than the security of the American people. The story that came out tonight, as reported, is false. At no time, at no time, were intelligence sources or methods discussed. And the president did not disclose any military operations that were not already publicly known. Two other senior officials who were present including the Secretary of State, remember the meeting the same way and have said so. Their on-the-record account should outweigh those of anonymous sources. And I I was in the room. It didn't happen.
0: That was National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster, late Monday night, trying to address the bombshell story that President Donald Trump had released classified information to the Russians and had named, essentially, the source of that information. Tuesday afternoon, May 16th, McMaster had to circle back on his remarks. You know,
1: I, I stamp out my statement that I made yesterday. And what I'm saying is really the premise of that article is false, that in any way the president had a conversation that was inappropriate or that resulted in any kind of lapse in, na- in national security. And so I think the real issue, and, and I think what I'd like to see really debated more, is that our national security has been put at risk by those violating confidentiality. And those releasing information uh, to the press that that uh, that could that could be used, uh, connected with other information available, uh, to to make American citizens and others more vulnerable. The
0: General was classified information released. General was
1: classified information
0: released. Um, sir, can you
1: tell us if the President, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu will join President Trump at the Western Wall, and does the president believe that the Western Wall is part of his It's part of his I'm sorry. No no Israeli leaders will join uh, President Trump to the Western Wall. He's going to the Western Wall mainly in connection with the theme to to connect with three of the world's great religions, and to to advance to pay homage at each of these religious sites that he's visiting, but also to highlight the theme that we all have to be united against what are really the enemies of all civilized people, and that we have to be joined together in in with an agenda uh, of tolerance and moderation.
2: Master, I just want to uh, try to dig into some details of this reporting on the president's conversations with the Russians are you denying that he revealed information that was given to the US by uh, an intelligence partner
1: so uh, what I, what we don't do is discuss what and what was't classified what I will tell you is in the context of that that uh, that discussion what the president discussed with the foreign minister was wholly appropriate to that conversation and is consistent with the routine sharing of information between the president and and, and any leaders with whom he's engaged, but was it information and, and
2: the U.S. received from an intelligence partner.
1: I, I'm not going to be the one to confirm the, the, confirm uh, that that sort of information. That could that could jeopardize it could are jeopardize our security. The U.S.
2: allies that do have these type of intelligence sharing relationships with the U.S. will stop providing that information. No, I'm
1: not concerned at all. The, the, that conversation was wholly appropriate to the conversation, and I think wholly appropriate what the expectations are. Of our intelligence partners.
0: If I can follow on that, uh, General, have you reached out to foreign partners who might have contributed
1: such information to the U.S. and talked to them about it, tried to reassure them? If so, what was the reaction? I I have not, and I'm not sure what conversations have been held about that.
2: Carol? Carol? Going back to what you were saying earlier, if there was nothing that the President shared that he shouldn't have shared, why did his his, uh, counterterrorism advisor contact the NSA and the CIA about what he had said?
1: You know, I, I would I would say maybe from an overabundance of caution, but I'm not sure. I mean, I, I not I've not talked to, uh, uh, to to Mr. Bossert about about that about why he why he reached out. But be
2: there, so
1: what? what you would understand why there was yeah, a sure. reason
0: to reach out.
1: So I, I, I was in the room. The Secretary of State was in the room, as you know. The Deputy Assistant uh, uh, the uh, Deputy Advisor uh, for National Security, uh, Dina Powell, for Strategy, uh, was in the room, and and none of us felt in any way that that conversation was inappropriate. General, General, General. General, can you tell us, when was the decision made to share that information with the Russians? Did the President spontaneously, on the spot, decide to give that information over? Or was there an interagency process or some
2: kind of formal decision-making process in advance of that meeting with the Russians last week? Well,
1: as you know, the, the president it's wholly appropriate for the President to share whatever information he thinks is necessary to advance the security of the American people. That's what he did. As to your question on had that information been shared previously, I'm not sure about that. When, when did he make that decision, though, sir? When did he make the decision? When did he make the decision to share the information? He made the decision in the context of, of, the, of the conversation, which was wholly appropriate. So let's just – I think what one I think it's worth recapping one thing here. The President was meeting uh, with uh, with the Foreign Minister about, about the terrorist threat. He had also raised some difficult issues. What, he, what we expected in terms of different behavior from Russia in, in key areas like, uh, like, uh, like Ukraine and, and as in Syria. But then the President was emphasizing, hey, we have some common interests here. We have to work together in some critical areas. And we have an area, we have a, an area of cooperation with transnational terrorist organizations, ISIS in particular, an organization that had already taken down a Russian airliner and murdered over 200 people in October of 2015. And so, so, so this was the, 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 the context of the conversation in which it was wholly appropriate to share what the threat was as a basis for common action and coordination and cooperation. In the moment
0: then, during the context of that conversation? In the middle of this firestorm, as McMaster and others were denying that President Trump did anything wrong, Trump himself tweeted. As president, I wanted to share with Russia at an openly scheduled White House meeting, which I have the absolute right to do, facts pertaining to terrorism and airline safety, humanitarian reasons. Plus, I want Russia to greatly step up their fight against ISIS and terrorism. There, again, seemed to be the same issue that came up during the Comey firing. His staff saying one thing, and he seems to be saying something else. While all this was unfolding, a senior European intelligence official told the Associated Press that his country might stop sharing information with the U.S. if it confirms that President Trump shared classified details with Russian officials. That is of significant concern, especially since European Union Commissioner for European and Neighborhood Policy and enlargement negotiations, Johannes Hahn told Target USA recently. They just got to the point where they felt comfortable with Mr. Trump. Commissioner Hahn speaks perfect English, but because of the acoustics in the room, I'm translating what he said.
2: Look, I don't hide that there were some irritations. Look, I won't lie. There
0: were some irritations, not only in Europe before the elections, but in particular after the election.
2: some statements. about About some statements that Mr.
0: Trump made about Europe and the relevance of Europe. But everybody, even a president, can learn his lessons. Because he's at the beginning of his job, he's not very experienced, but okay, he's elected. This has to be respected. That is why I am here. That's why we are telling the story about Europe. I think, in the meantime, there have been some changes, some understanding about what the reality is on the ground, and that one cannot depart from fact. I think that, in that respect, we have seen some positive developments. We have to wait and see how this develops as we move into the future. On May 10th, in Washington, we spoke with European Union Commissioner for the Security of the Union, Sir Julian King, about that all-important relationship to the U.S. How would you characterize the relationship with the U.S.? And and I know that there is the obligatory, yeah, you know, they're a great partner, but really, how would you describe the relationship and, uh, I I guess, the... uh, you know the actual working
2: relationship with your counterparts. Uh, in this area, uh, it's very, very strong, um, and I'm not just saying that. Uh, um, Answer in the way that you invited me to. Uh, the uh, The example I just gave uh, of the cooperation after the attacks in France and, and Belgium uh, is for me a very powerful one. Uh, Why so? Because uh, the systems that the U.S. had developed to track financial movements, even of quite small sums of money, was put at the disposal of the French and the Belgian authorities and used to process some of the information that they had obtained from, from the sites of, of the attacks. Uh, and that practical cooperation fed back into to, to Leeds. For them to track down, to help track down the perpetrators of the attack. So there, it's not there uh, just a question of uh, uh, a shared approach or close um, uh, relations between um, particular branches of, of government. All of which exist. It was a concrete, practical, investigative. Cooperation mm. that led to a result. Mm. Is, does that say that the U.S. system for tracking these things is better
0: than what exists anywhere else, or is is it is it just that it was the U.S. An system? Assistance? The
2: U.S. system is very good on that. Okay. And indeed, um, I, I would like us to try and develop the, an equivalent system in in the EU to to complement the the work that we do so effectively on this particular element of finance tracking with the U.S. So you mentioned on this element, it's very, very strong. Where it's a, that's a, that's a, for me, it's an important concrete example because mm-hmm. there's lots of um, contact uh, and very fruitful discussion on a policy level. There are very good working relations between the key organizations involved on the two sides of the uh, Atlantic. Uh, but there are also examples of concrete cooperation, uh, which which I think prove both the depth of the cooperation and its importance. Moving forward, um, what would you like to see more
0: uh, or different uh, in terms of the engagement with the U.S.?
2: What would you like to see more of or something different? Uh, well, uh, uh, more of what we got. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that we're looking for um, uh, a radical change in the kind of engagement we've got in, in this area. Uh, We need to keep open uh, all our channels of communication. Uh, We need to maintain uh, uh, a close dialogue, both at the political level and between the law enforcement agencies engaged. Uh, And we need to make sure that we um, work together uh, to tackle what, after all, uh, are, are shared threats, not targeting one country or another, but our way of life, and which are met most effectively when we work together. And King went on to explain
0: why limiting the capabilities of terror organizations and building resilience is so important
2: for Europe right now. Well, we uh, have suffered a series of, of horrible attacks over the last two years or so across across Europe uh, at the hands of uh, terrorists uh, inspired by Daesh, uh, ISIS, ISIS. Uh, who are targeting not one country or another country. Uh, They are targeting uh, our way of life Mm -hmm. uh, and our values. And they're trying to uh, generate um, and disrupt relationships across communities, across the European Union. Uh, But you're right that there's no one one way they do that. Uh, So we've seen quite sophisticated attacks Uh, directed sometimes staffed from um, Iraq and Syria with Mm -hmm. people who've who've been fighting there coming back to Europe and in an organized way trying to do a a big attack like the attack in in Paris Mm -hmm. Uh, but we've also seen uh, individuals some of whom have never traveled outside of the EU who rapidly become uh, radicalized uh, and who uh, use everyday objects uh, whether it's a, a kitchen knife or uh, famously a truck in the horrible attack in, in, in Nice and repeated in, in Berlin, uh, to uh, turn everyday objects into, into weapons. Mm-hmm. So we have to be able to respond to these different and various sorts of terrorist threat. Mm-hmm. What's your view on how to deal with the, uh, just the diversity of threat? Well, what we try and do Uh, is to close down the space in which terrorists can act and at the same time to reinforce and build uh, our resilience so that if an attack does happen, the worst does happen, uh, we're able to deal with it uh, and manage the consequences, including uh, obviously for the victims. So how do we close down the space in which terrorists can act? Uh, Well, by... Uh, denying them some of the means that they use to act. Uh, So we have um, uh, got better at criminalizing uh, money laundering and and financing. Uh, We have uh, got better at um, controlling uh, the things that can make explosives. Uh, We have uh, taken some steps to better control and regulate uh, firearms. So, starving them of some of the practical means. Uh, but of course, the most important ingredient in uh, a terrorist attack is the individual who has been motivated to commit the attack. Uh, so, the work that we're doing both to uh, control better. People who might want to travel to or from uh, Iraq and Syria uh, to know more about their movements by strengthening controls at our at our borders, and the cooperation between our law enforcement and other agencies behind our borders is very important, equally important is the work that we 're doing to tackle radicalization at its roots because uh, dash have reached into various communities across Europe uh, and have sought to radicalize uh, young, often young, uh, vulnerable people. So we're working very hard to try and counter that radicalization, uh, whether it takes place in our communities by working with grassroots civil society actors to to counter the, the Daesh recruiters in our communities, uh, or, and uh, when it is a question of tackling the propaganda that Daesh and others circulate on the, on the internet. Which threat or organization, rather,
0: do you believe is the biggest, presents the biggest, or largest, or most significant threat
2: to the EU and the broader world? Uh, well, I'm not going to comment on the broader world, but uh, for the EU, um, uh, we face a variety of challenges uh, from uh, cyber and serious and organized crime. But in the terrorist yes, space, yes. in the terrorist space, uh, at the moment, uh, it is Daesh-inspired terrorism. What is your view
0: on ultimately the des- destroying an organization like Daesh or Al-Qaeda? Is it possible to do that? Because I've heard from numerous uh, people that I've interviewed that it's impossible to destroy these organizations. They morph into something else, and, you know, there's always going to be people that might want to join them. So what's your view on
2: ending the issue or the problem with these organizations, specifically Daesh? Uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to take a radically different view from some of the others that you've spoken to. Uh, it, it, is, it is possible to squeeze the physical space that they uh, occupy on the ground, Uh, We've seen that in Iraq. We're increasingly seeing it in Syria. Uh, And uh, I think that effort needs to be pursued. Uh, The uh, result is that some of the individuals engaged get killed. Uh, Some uh, move to another theater where they continue what they see as their fight. And a particular concern from the... European perspective, the EU perspective, is that some of the people uh, engaged uh, on the ground uh, seek to go home. Now there are uh, quite a lot, tens of thousands by some reckonings, of foreign terrorist fighters engaged, uh, who've been engaged with Daesh in Iraq and Syria. And maybe 5,000 of those came originally from European Union countries. Some have already come back. Some will take one of those other routes that I've described. Uh, but uh, uh, we, we accept that at some point, as Daesh is squeezed on the ground, uh, there is a chance that some of those individuals will seek to return to their countries of origin mm-hmm. in the European Union. And we're going to have to be ready to deal with those issues. Are you able to track these people. Do you have enough personnel
0: to track these thousands of people? Because I've been told it takes a long, a lot of people
2: for a single person. Uh, you're right, uh, but I, I don't want to, um, in any way, underplay, underplay the, the the challenge, but I don't want to exaggerate it either. So, if it is maybe 5,000 who travelled, uh, uh, a, a number have already. Uh, lost their lives or or gone elsewhere. Uh, There are estimates vary, but there are maybe 2,000 somewhat uh, still there. Uh, They're not all going to uh, leave in one Uh, wave. So I I don't want to uh, either pretend that this is some sort of dramatic, new, and unmanageable issue. We have taken steps, important steps, to strengthen uh, the controls that are external borders so that we know much more about who is coming and going into our shared space in Europe. And we have, as already discussed, taken big steps forward in strengthening cooperation behind our borders between uh, police and other law enforcement agents.
0: As we were producing this fast-moving story, news came out that the source that President Trump supposedly outed was Israel. We contacted the Israeli government. They didn't respond. But Israel's ambassador to the U.S. said in a statement to some other media, Israel has full confidence in intelligence sharing with the U.S. and looks forward to deepening that relationship in the years ahead under Mr. Trump. Stay tuned to Target USA as this and other critical intelligence, espionage, cyber, terrorism, military, and other national security developments take place. That's coming up on our next episode of Target USA. Thank you for joining us, and please follow us on Twitter at TUSA Podcast. That's one word Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And let me know what you think at jgreen at WTOP.com. That's one word J the color green at WTOP.com. That's whiskey tangooscarpapa.com. I'm JJ Green, and this is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. Here's an
1: interesting fact for you. There are nearly one million new books published in the U.S. alone every year. One million. So if you like to read, how do you choose what you're going to read? Well, that's where Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews comes in. You see, Kirkus has been one of the top book review publications for over 80 years. They do a deep dive on thousands of titles every year, including interviewing best-selling authors and telling you what might be the hot new release before everyone else knows. So figure out what your next read is going to be. Download Fully Booked right
0: now on the Podcast One app at Apple
1: Podcasts or at PodcastOne.com.